Peace, peace. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This is Cook on Monday Morning. I am your host, Stevon Cook. And at Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if we can own Monday morning, we can own the week. If we can own the week, we can own the year. And if we change our year, we can change our lives. Today's guest uh, is an American actress, Miss Diana Liu. Uh, she's been on several shows such as The Interns, Hawaii Five-0, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and NCIS LA. Uh, you can check out her full bio at her website, diana-lu.com. You can also check her out on Instagram at Diana Lou. Uh, first, I'd like to thank our loyal listeners. Thank you. Uh, without you, this is not possible. I would love to hear from you. Please, please send me a message, info at stevoncook.com. When you get a chance, I'd love to talk to you. love to hear what you enjoy about the podcast. And if you have any questions you'd like me to answer, feel free to send me a message and we'll read those off during the podcast. I also like to keep the tradition and thank our most recent YouTube subscribers, uh, Jennifer Standish, Edward Glover, Mr. Furry, and Abram Cassie. Thank you for your support. We also had an uptick in subscribers on our audio platform. I'd like to thank you all also. I'd be happy to read your names off. Send me an email, info at stevoncook.com. Uh, you can be like these folks if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube or listening, and support the podcast uh, by following their lead and subscribing. Please leave a rating or a review. And uh, it goes a long way to help people find what we're doing here and make a decision to listen. So if you value the content, take a few minutes to do that. We made the announcement last week, but I just wanted to reiterate, we're going back from three times a week to just Monday morning. So this will allow us to get the most out of the podcast and continue to focus on uh, growing our audience and to do supplemental write-ups. If you're interested in seeing those write-ups, head to my website uh, and subscribe to our newsletter at steveoncook.com. Without further ado, here is our discussion with Diana Liu. Hi, thanks for having me. And yes, we used to remember backpacking together. That was fun. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot yeah, about that. we had challenge and we went backpacking. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have been aspiring to like break in and you've gotten roles as a as an actress. Do you call it an actor or actress? How do you phrase it? I use it interchangeably. Okay, cool. I use it, yeah. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about just like what's going on right now in terms of your acting career. Then I, I want to go back to your upbringing. Um, acting career. Well, I just um, was on the series finale of Hawaii Five-0. We didn't know that it was ending when we um, were shooting, but I think a few weeks after they announced, CBS announced that they were ending it. So I did that. And um, then quarantine happened. Um, so we're here now. And I've been doing various random things and there have been the occasional auditions here and there. But it's been pretty slow in the sense of, you know, comparatively, but it's been a lot of um, time to reflect and to slow down and to recalibrate what is really happening. 
And what has that reflection offered you? What's what's going on? Okay, little things like um, on my 2020 and 2019 goal list was to cook, to be able to feed and care for myself um, in a very primal way. Um, So now I can do it effortlessly without stressing out or cutting myself or burning myself. (laughs) So I'm all about that. But then on a a career level, I've had to refocus myself and think about what do I want? What do what do I really want? And what can I do today as if I already have everything that I wanted? Right. So whether it's working on my voice, even when there's not something to go to, but just for myself as an artist and um, a human. So I'll do that or. Um, self-tapes have been a big thing and continue to be, especially with quarantine. So I did this like 21-day self-tape challenge where I had 21 different monologues um, and characters. So I just played with it. So I'll do little things like that in addition to, you know, studying shows and everything like that. Mm. Um, so that's kind of been how I've been filling my day Um career-wise and then spirituality-wise it's like a whole other thing like being the best version of myself fulfilling um why I'm here on this earth that's been like reading meditating yoga hiking I've been hiking like five times a week so that's Mm. been really fun yeah I wanted to get into some of the spiritual stuff I remember that in our last conversations together I remember you talking a lot about that um, so really, I, I, I it'd be interesting to hear what you what you remember because I okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, before before we 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 get into that, um, I admittedly don't watch. I don't have a TV, and I don't watch TV. But I also remember uh, a little bit about the grind, like the grind you were sort of undergoing to to break through, and um, and hear you talking about the monologues. Before you sort of landed your first role, or actually, do you still audition? And if so, how often were you? I do. I do audition. I think, you know, they always say you're as good as your next job. Or when you're on a job, you start like thinking about your next job. So even when I was filming in Hawaii, I think I had like two or three auditions come through while I was there. And then, which is a really big blessing because there's a period as an actor where you're like, just give me an audition, you know? And to get them coming consistently and to have a team working alongside you that can get you those opportunities um, is a really big blessing. Um, So how often am I auditioning? Well, like in February, there was a week that I auditioned, like there were like eight different auditions that were happening because it was pilot season. And then some weeks it's slow. And then right now, like maybe last month, I had like two or three auditions, you know, and then some months none during quarantine. Yeah. yeah. If you talk about the monologue stuff too, it makes me think that like, okay, you're really into the craft of this, you know? Yes. 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 Yeah, say more about that. Um, with the, about the craft of it? Your your association with the craft of acting. Like how you think oh, about it. Oh gosh. I think about it as very healing, therapeutic, and like through working on the work it gets me closer to who I am and humanity as a whole, right? Because we're all like connected in one way or another. So by slipping into a different character, I get to see what's happening within me. Like if I have resistance towards a character, what is it? Is it something like I don't like about myself or is it a judgment I have on the exterior? Um, And then slipping into someone else's world. So me having to sit still and think what are the given circumstances that we 
Like what happened? What did this person experience to get where they are? Right. Like to be in this situation. And I think a big thing is learning very early on, not ever to judge your characters because the moment you judge them, you can't, you can't slip into them in a very organic, natural, authentic way because you want to tell the stories authentically. Um, so people connect with them. So you connect with them. Yeah. Uh, who is the character on, on Hawaii Five-0? What, who do you play? I play a mom who gets held hostage. I'm like a single mother. And they were potentially introducing a new series regular because the main guy was leaving um, and would set up his storyline. But yeah, we get, we get um, kidnapped well, twice, actually. In mm. one in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I saw you. I saw a picture of you, and and I don't know what it was from, but you were like holding a firearm and like running with a with a police uniform on. What was that from? It was a Nigerian film, actually, and it had like Nigeria's like um, best actor of the year starring in that film. So that was really interesting mm. and fun. We didn't give a lot of context to how we know each other. We went to high school together. <laughs> Thurgood Marshall, um, yes. and and the championship you're referring to was uh, I, I don't know if it was my junior year. It must have been my junior year or sophomore year. I think sophomore. I was a freshman, and it was part of challenge. And challenge ended, I think, after my freshman year. And you grew up your entire childhood in San Francisco. Yeah, born and raised. Okay, where'd you go to elementary, middle school? I went to Gene Parker in it was okay. like Marina Chinatown. I think mm-hmm. before that, I was actually in Raffle Wheel. I think okay. they changed the name. Got Maybe it. it's like, I don't remember. I don't even know what it was anymore. That was kindergarten. And I remember the teacher had like a bucket of toys. I never got any because I wasn't a great student. But Oh, really? Uh, In kindergarten or throughout your academic career? I think I just always spoke my mind. You know what I mean? Like oh, I always okay. had some, like I couldn't just, I had to speak up if I didn't feel like it made sense. I had to ask questions. And then I went to Marina Middle School. Mm-hmm. So those are both schools on the north side of the city. And then you mm-hmm. came to Thurgood, which is on the southeast side of the city. What, what got yeah. you there? Well, I lived when I was born. I think my parents lived in Chinatown and, you know, it was their community. Um, but then I think maybe like in elementary school, we had moved to where Thurgood is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. My parents like were just used to being over there. So we just stayed over there. There was one time when a principal tried to say, you know, Diana, you, um, she tried to threaten my mother and say, like, I could kick her out of the school because she doesn't live in this neighborhood. And my mom, my mom said, no, I went and I spoke to the school board or, you know, the department it used to be on Van Ness. I don't know if it's still there. And she said, and they said, I could send my kid anywhere I want. <laughs> so she checked the principal which there you go you know i probably get some of that from her uh-huh yeah i get checked now too i don't know if you know i'm on the board of education in san francisco yes i saw that congratulations yeah well i appreciate it my my term i'm i'm not running for re-election my term ends in december and uh but i've gotten to know all the schools from like a policymaker perspective and <sighs> i've been on the receiving end of who your mother uh, was like I've I've been the person you know the parent was like yelling at and I respect that people fight on behalf of their kids. Are you the only child? No, there's four of us. Okay, where are you in yeah. the third? 
And how does your family think about your your career? You know, by now they've accepted it and they're okay as long as I take care of myself. Um, I guess in a way I feel really blessed. My dad's like, as long as you're happy and you, you know, you're like, you have your family and everything, you're good. Like you don't have to like stress yourself out and like kill yourself over anything. So I feel really grateful about that. But there was a time when they just wanted me to move back to San Francisco and um, do what they wanted me to do. How long did you know you wanted to go into acting? I never realized that you could be an actor growing up in San Francisco. I didn't think it was a real thing. I, you know, you saw Lucy Liu, maybe Sandro, and that was it. And they just didn't seem like a peer or anything to you. So I remember being approached by like agents in high school and I would refer them to my mom and my mom's like, no. And then I just go, okay, whatever, that's fine. Um, but it wasn't until I was like 21 and I had already started my career as um, an auditor. I worked at Deloitte. I have my CPA. Um, and then my um, a really good friend of mine died. He was shot in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And that led me to go, what is the point of life? And why am I here? What is my purpose? And then I was traveling in Bali and I, education for me was the important, most important thing coming from an immigrant family and seeing how in one generation you have, you know, people struggling to make um, ends meet and making minimum wage to support a family of six. Right. And then the next generation, like brothers are pharmacists, my sister's a lawyer, my other sister's like in accounting finance. Um, that was because education enabled us to have those opportunities. So while I was in Bali, I, we had a driver that we, you know, for over a week and, um, our driver, we bought the kids, his kid at McDonald's and the, what did he say? He said, my kids never had McDonald's. And it kind of like, I was like, wait, what? And so I started asking about education and he said it cost them like, $300 to uh, go to school for a year and he has to work really hard just to get that and then it made me see how blessed we are even if the education system isn't like where we wanted to be we still are afforded this opportunity whereas other people they don't get that opportunity unless their parents work for it for them Mm. Um, so I wanted to start a nonprofit around that, right? Like, um, a, a year of coffee is equivalent to sending your kids to school. I was still working at Deloitte at the time and I was in New York for broker dealer training. And I said to my coworkers, I was, I told them this and my coworkers kind of like laughed at me and we're getting into a cab. And I said, like, what, what, what's my purpose then? Like to save shareholders. And they still like make fun of me about that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's like four months after I had that conversation, I kind of like left and um, went head on in acting. Mm. And that was about like eight or nine years ago. Geography changes, like how do you break in? Like what was the process, the initial beginning? So I think it was like around 09 that my friend passed. And after that, I started taking acting classes. And um, because it was something I wanted to do. And I was emotionally like, I just didn't know what was going on anymore. I'd be driving and I would zone out. So I started taking acting classes. And I had like one teacher that like, very early on, who was just like, look over there and gave me a bunch of things, you know, 
to think about. And all of a sudden, I just like clicked into a character. It clicked into something that really kind of made me want more. So from there, I kept training for like maybe two or three years before I ever even started auditioning or anything like that. Even at Deloitte, I was auditioning. I remember I took a day off and flew to LA for a callback I had for a feature film. Like, meanwhile, like I'm working. So it got really like a lot. And one of the partners thought I was interviewing for another job because I would change like clothes in the bathroom and come back and (laughs) change. I did that. And then I felt like 2012, I quit Deloitte after like my fourth busy season there. And then that's when I got my agent in San Francisco. That's when I was working in 2013 was a year that I did a bunch of films in my first feature that had LA actors. Um, And that's when I decided to move later that year. So in 2013, I moved to LA. I'm this person where I think like, oh, I'm just going to go. Like, I'm going to make all this stuff happen. And then God's like, no, Diana, that's that's not what's going to happen. So there were periods of time where I just had to, I guess it's learning about myself. And I still am. I'm constantly doing it. But it really like there is, I think maybe in 2015, like, I broke a point where I just needed to face myself. Like I couldn't run from everything that I was running from that I didn't even know I was running from. Like healing my relationship with my parents, healing my relationship with myself, like looking at, you know, the trauma that I had been through, whether it's just growing up as an immigrant kid in San Francisco, having working parents and not getting certain baseline things, I guess. Um, And you know how it is. I mean, growing up in San Francisco, like it's, it's not an easy thing, you know? So I did all that. If you healed and like in the midst of that, I was always working. Like there was a period I was doing a feature a year. I was always auditioning. Um, There came a period of time, I think like in 2017 where I went to London and I did like a summer theater company there at one of the um, drama schools. Because I really needed to get back into the craft of it. Because at that point, I'd been in LA for about four years. And I was feeling some kind of way. I was like auditioning for like Hot Girl or like Fuller House or just things that didn't necessarily align with what I wanted to create. And I had to see, do I really want this because I love the craft itself? Or has it become something that I just told myself I need to accomplish? Mm. So I did that purely for like the craft point of view. And then I did like a Hawaii trip with like a casting director and um, and other fellow actors. And that kind of refueled me and helped me find the fun and the joy in it again. And that's how I signed with my current agent that I wanted when I first moved to LA, but like manifested like then when I probably was emotionally and energetically uh, aligned with it. Mm. And so, yeah. And last two years, I've been about two years with them. Yeah. It's been, it's been nice. Okay. Okay. There was, there was, there was a bunch in there too. So you, you sort of casually transition, you have a full-time job that's, that's very demanding. You start to also, uh, take acting classes, have auditions. Um, it sounds like maybe a two or three year period before you get you're getting regular work and you decide to move. Does being in a feature film a year does that like cover your expenses? Do you do another jobs too when you're in LA or what is that? 
There was a period where, oh, that's funny that you say this, because um, when I first moved to LA, I thought I had to prove myself as an actor. And I thought that to be an actor means you have to struggle, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be on that struggle bus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but right, like, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Who puts this in our minds? But mm-hmm. um, a lot of people actually feel that way. So I didn't work for a few years, but I was so blessed in the sense that I had booked a commercial that a few commercials and before commercials would run in all like it was like an international commercial. So you get paid by location, by airtime, et cetera, et cetera. So that paid my bills for a while. And then in 2015, I felt very disempowered, right? That was part of my journey. I felt like I'd given all my power over and I needed to take some of that back, which meant that I needed to be the not creator, but like maybe a co-creator in my life and not wait for opportunities to come. Um, so I dabbled in like producing my own stuff or like finding things to work on. And in addition to that, I embraced my, um, my other gift, right. Which is also that I can look at a spreadsheet and figure things out and can be creative in its own way. So I freelance and I help people like prepare for audits or I help people set up their books or transition things. So I had my own like side hustle going there. And with that, it empowered me even more as an artist so that I'm not in a mentality, like a lower vibration of desperation or needing anything from anybody. It just became, I want to do this and I can do this and I'm going to do this versus I need to do this. I need to have this. This means so much to me. We gotta talk because cause, uh, I got some tax some tax questions I need you to. <laughs> I don't do taxes. I do financial statement preparation. But oh, darn. We can chat. I can, I can probably help. <laughs> financial statement preparation. Got it. Got it. That sounds like the person that don't need the work. I don't do that. I do this. <laughs> I can. I can try to help you. Okay. Okay. Well, you're helping a lot of people now sharing your story, and I actually just remember where how we got reconnected. Yoga. Yes, it I was forgot. a yoga to the people. We <laughs> shut down. Yeah. Did you hear it shut down? I did hear that. I saw the headline. Um, I forgot when it was, but it was recently, right? It was like yeah, July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shut down. It's yoga to the people in San Francisco, I guess, which no longer exists. And you were in the front of the class, and I was struggling in the back. Which, which, oh, kinda, that's funny. <laughs> which got to like um, is good to bring up because. You're still very much into yoga. I saw some of it on your uh, Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Are you teaching yoga? Like, what, what's going on with you and yoga right now? Well, after I quit Deloitte, I ended up going, I wanted to travel too. So part of it was like, I want to live in Hawaii. So I'm going to get my yoga teacher training in Hawaii because I practice all the time and I want to live in Hawaii. So I did that. I taught a little bit in San Francisco. And then when I moved to LA, I, you know, you can only do so many things and be good at it. So I reserved yoga for my personal practice and then um, focus on acting. But anyway, so now I don't teach right now, but I like indirectly teach on social media. Mm -hmm. There you go. Just sort of like sharing, emphasizing the, uh, the practice and the need to do it and, and whatnot. Yeah. So that this, this, the spirituality part of you. 
talk a little bit more about what that journey has been like. So yoga, I mean, is that a part of it? Like how do, how would you define it? Uh, I think all like it all comes back right with acting, with yoga, with like personal development. It all comes back into who am I? What am I here to do? Um, how do I best serve? Uh, I actually was reflecting on it the other day. I never could realize, like, figure out why I never went forward with like creating a nonprofit of. Um, you know, sending kids to school. And I was maybe, I was really young at that point, like early 20s when I when I wanted to do that. And I thought that, okay, well, my platform, when my platform is bigger, I'll have more leverage to um, knock this out, right? Like to create a big impact. But I think maybe something internally inside of me felt like, mm, I don't know if this is the best idea. Because as I started thinking about it, like, who am I to say, like, hey, you need school to um, be happier so that you can have more money so you can buy more stuff. Like, that was kind of like my, I didn't think that far. Whereas now I think if you are happy, like what, with what you're doing, who am I to come in and say, hey, you need this. I know better than you. You need this to, um, to be happy. Anyway, so tying that back into spirituality is just where I'm at now is just realizing that we ourselves are just big fat mirrors for everyone else and vice versa and that we're all connected. And if I can be the best version of me, I can reflect the best version of you. And like, that's when healing starts. Like when I can look you in the eye and say, hey, like I'm here, you're here and like just meet um, and come from a place of healing and love that is like the strongest position I can put myself in to help other people. You are enough. Yes. I saw that uh, in an article that yes. about you. Talk a little bit more about that. That actually came because um, in some auditions, they, they just ask you questions, right? I think it was like a print audition. Um, and the guy goes, if you have a superpower, what would it be? And I stopped and I go, I would have the power to make people people realize that they are worthy and they're enough. Like, and he goes, okay, well, how would you do that? And I said, you could just look them in the eye, you know, and then that would be it. And like the person will know. Um, so that's kind of, it makes like me a little teary eyed because I mean, it's really powerful. If you go out in the street and you just look someone in the eye and like breathe in and just connect. Like, I see you, right? Like, I see you. I could see Steve on. Like, I, I might not even know the other person. But by just looking in the eye, you connect with them and you inherently will feel something if you are open and allow yourself. That must, that must really come into play, too, when you are acting also, right? Mm-hmm. All the close interpersonal exchanges. Like, when I, when I was watching one of the clips of you, um, and I don't mean to jump back into the acting stuff. I was looking at some of the stuff. It all ties in. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, I was looking at some of the, some of your reel. And, um, you know, I was, first I was proud of you. I was proud that like you, you thought about making this happen. You're making it happen. You're doing the deal. Awesome that you're continuing to commit to improve the craft. Um, mm-hmm. what is the, what is the transition been like to, kind of like work aside from people that you you grew up watching 
to work alongside them, you mean? Work alongside them, get to meet them. Like, was that kind of initially difficult or has it been smooth? Like, what's that been like for you? What do you mean? Like, I saw you across from LL Cool J. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I, and, uh, let me just know. say before you start, calls right by with the boom system. All right, go ahead. <laughs> no, he's like, he's like a friend of mine. I was like, you know, we'll like, you know, we'll chat once in a while. But um, I wouldn't say friend, but, you know. Yeah, uh, you're cool. That's good. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, cool. Uh, <laughs> no, that was really funny. We were at the Paramount lot. I had gone into audition. This is talk about like acting. Another spiritual tidbit is like acting will put you in a situation like, fast forward your life it's like a an incubator for like life lessons because you get so many rejections i have friends that have heartbreaks and i'm like that's how i felt when i lost out on that job you know mm-hmm. like you experience so much rejection and like highs of the highs and lows of the lows that you have to deal with it constantly so you kind of like learn how to manage life very fast and then i think i ended up booking the third time right Mm -hmm. so then the third time i went in was for the character i went in for and then i had a call back like with the producers and the director in the room so there was like four auditions before i ended up like working on that show my point being in that is that what's yours is yours and like for me i have to remind myself i can't worry about not getting something because here's evidence that when it's going to be yours, it's going to be yours. And why that even makes more sense to me was that character was fighting for her grandma. You know, mm-hmm. like she had committed a crime indirectly, like unknowingly, mm-hmm. um, because she wanted to help save her grandma's business. And she didn't want, like she was fighting for her family, which is something that I'm really uh, about. Anyway, so fast forward, we're at the Paramount lot. We're like, you know, we're walking by and I'm like, because I see him and I think I know him, you know, like this is before we even met. Uh And I'm like, Hey, and he's Uh like, I'm like, I don't actually know you. Right. Right. Okay. (laughs) So that was the table read. Cause you get all get together and there's a bunch of people and you kind of read the script and then we get to shoot. And my very first day, it was like at 4am that I get on set. And our first scene is the emotional scene where they interrogate me with, um, Chris and LL Cool J and it's me, you know, and that's our very first scene for the episode and my very first time working with them. But when I get there and work, I'm all about, I'm here to tell a story and I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. So I didn't break, even though like at the table read, I was like, hi, like on the day of when we were shooting, it was just like, let me do my job. And it went really well. And I think you know, they probably are nervous too, right? They're like, is she going to show up? And it went really well. Like the director even, they usually shoot them first for close up because they'll do like a wide where they kind of block out the scene and then they'll do two shots. Like, you know, they'll come in and in until they're on you. They asked the two series regulars, they asked them, hey, can we get her first? And they were like, yeah. And, um... After it was done and after I did my job and they were happy with my work, then like we started like ranting back and forth and we were just having conversations. We talked about life and like books he was reading and like what we were reading. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, with him in particular, like um, I kind of rediscovered his music, his early music when I got older. 
because it was a little before my time. But I, I really grew up watching him like on In the House. He was more like a TV star and then kind of got into movies. And I know, and then he had some singles that were big, but they were mostly like, kind of like romance or kind of like big. big. Yeah, that's yeah. then. Right. Yeah, yeah. But when I, yeah. So I was just wondering about that shift for you in general, like working with people that were recognizable. And it sounds like that's what your process is. You may be like, like was, was LL the biggest person you would work with before then? Or do you have like. I guess LL is the biggest in the sense of, that's the person who probably had the most impact to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that like, I feel like I, I grew up with him, you know, like mm-hmm. you feel like you see him and you're like, Oh, Hey, like what's up? <laughs> right. So there's that friendliness. So mm-hmm. that I felt on my end, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Who do you want to work with? Who do I want to work with? I want to work. I mean, like with every actor, right. I love Idris Elba, I like would love to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Meryl Streep is obviously something that's up there. Reese Witherspoon, I really um, love what she's doing in taking charge and ownership of her career. I was actually close to working on Big Little Lies two years ago, three years ago, where I would be working opposite her, and that would have been really fun. But there's mm-hmm. like more chances in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people. Charlize Theron. I just watched one of her movies and I'm like, I need to get my butt a trainer because I want to do what <laughs> she's doing. Like, I want to do some action stuff. Like, that looks really fun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's dope. Yeah. So action. You want to get into the action space? I guess so. But it's more the story at the end of the day that really gets me versus like like just the physical action but I do want to get to a place where I challenge myself and physically is like a very obvious place to challenge myself like to be able to train and do certain stunts on my own and mm-hmm. um and sell the fact that like oh I could really kick ass <laughs> mm-hmm. what is your do you have like a lot of downtime right now or is your schedule pretty packed I create my own schedule so it depends on what I want to create yeah is the top priority the monologues? Is that where you spend a lot of your time? No, right now, the last two weeks has been allocated to spirituality and really kind of connecting with um, listening to myself and figuring out what is it that I want to do? What is it that I think I should be doing? And moving to a space of what my inner being tells me, hey, this is what you need, you know, versus external worlds of, oh, I should be doing this because that's what a grown-up should be doing mm-hmm. so yeah it's interesting because hearing you talk is there's like a um, there is a lot of depth and groundedness and that's not at all what i associate with la <sighs> <laughs> i associate it with like uh surface and like fast life and like drugs and like sex like that's like that whole I, i'm not uncommon right that's kind of like the picture of la like uh, wealth Oh, I'm sure that that's definitely out there too. <laughs> yeah, and and so I'm 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 wondering if you fit in at within this acting community, or are there more people like you than I realize, or are you sort of like a part of a smart group? I, so I think there are like a big group of people who are seeking grounding and seeking that. I think a certain type of person like comes to LA, you know, like there's something that they want to do, write, create, you know, something. And then in the midst of that, you have to figure out 
what is it that you really want? Because going off, like you have to have grounding to keep going for the long run without going crazy or going back home. A lot of people also just leave, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to stay, you have to like figure some things out. Mm -hmm. So I think the people who have been here for a while, maybe, I don't know. Well, or what you've been able to do so far, it sounds kind of quick compared to the struggles I hear about. Not to say that you, you haven't had your own struggles to get what you've gotten. Um, but would you define it that way? Do you think it's, do you think it's like harder for you? Like how, how would you respond to that? I, when I was in SF, like I studied at a school and there was a, there was maybe a handful of us that moved to LA, like maybe five to 10 of us that moved to LA. Um, and it's really incredible to see everyone's journey, right? Like in that pod that came, like, I would say training in San Francisco was really good because everyone was really, the time that I was there, the group I was in, everyone was so serious about their work. I wouldn't even put on makeup to go to work, but like for my scenes, I would, you would go to the nth degree to create your characters and your scene partners would do the same. And so there was this level of professionalism, even in the classroom. Anyway, a part of us moved, you know, one of the girls on Top Gun, another girl has a few of her own shows already. Another one was like on Independence Day. Like, so everyone has their own journey and some people move faster and some people move slower, but I think it's more so what are you supposed to learn with this experience? You know, cause you can feel such a high, high of a high, like when you're, um, when you're working or you think that you're doing what you wanted. Right. But you hear so many stories, especially with child actors or like people who get everything they want and aren't happy. Jim Carrey is like a great example. So I think you have to trust the process. And that's what I tell myself. Now, going back to your question, like, do I feel like I'm further? Like I moved fast. I don't feel like I moved fast because like I'm living it day to day. Mm -hmm. But if I look back to where I was, like I said earlier, Um, I signed with the agent that I wanted to when I first moved to LA, you know, which came in like a roundabout way. It wasn't like, Hey, I want to work with you, blah, blah, blah. Like I had to do indirectly things and, you know, that got me there. Right. So if I look backwards, I can map it out and go, Oh, okay. I I'm where I wanted to be. Like when I started, you know? Maybe I wanted to be a little further or like maybe I didn't think this or to that. But yeah, I'm grateful for where I'm at. And I I think it's I don't know, I think it's perfectly timed in the sense of as a human, I just feel like a more full person, regardless of like what I'm doing. And and are you still also modeling? Is that something you do or not anymore? Yeah, I mean, it all goes together. Like whoever, you know, you have your print agent and your commercial agent and like your theatrical agent. And like, if you're not busy, then it's like, okay, have fun. So Mm -hmm. do you enjoy that work also? I would say like doing print stuff is probably feels harder. (laughs) It's like more difficult, Uh, right? Just from somebody who, yeah, it's harder in its own ways. It's, it's, it's different. I wanted to touch a little bit about the some of the stuff I I read about you related to um, the Asian community, and to kind of get I don't know to to get your take or get your thoughts on um, you know what that means for you to represent 
the Asian community as a, as an actor. Um, how you respond to that? What you think about that? Uh, if that's a thing for you at all? And then I kind of, then I have a, a list of rapid fire questions that we'll go through before we close this okay. up. Okay. <laughs> um asian communities i think my idea of it it's not at the forefront of my head where i need to spearhead asian americans or anything like that i think it's let me embrace what i am as an entire human and in addition to that let me see how that i mean as i grow older i start researching more about like the asian american experience and like what our forefathers did to get us here with like the exclusion act and like how um there was actually a lot of trauma as well like put on asian people like the biggest lynching apparently in history like happened in chinatown san francisco um so anyway learning about that it makes me really realize what a communal effort it takes for me to be here today like me being here just isn't my family. Me being here is a result of everyone, you know, no matter what color, but like when we're talking about color or ethnicity right now, um, yes. So with the Asian American community, I think showing them in real life situations, not just in Asian American situations, but like, hey, it doesn't matter what color I am, I'm here. And that kind of represents to the rest of America, the rest of the world that, we're actually no different. We're just the same person, but different experiences. But like, we also have the same emotional levels or like we have this experience that we're also contributors as well mm -hmm. in the storytelling space. Do you think it limits your opportunity? I think after Crazy Rich Asians, like it opened up opportunities. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I think... It, like we're well received right now in Hollywood as a result of what Crazy Rich Asians was able to do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been really nice to like watch something and be able to see fellow actors and actresses. And I definitely see it a lot more now than I did when I first moved out here for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to see, watch someone who looks like you, but then you realize just because they look like you doesn't mean that they are you or they, you know, it's getting on the screen all different types of people because what is like my purpose as an actor is one of my reasons is so people don't feel so alone, right? Like when you're ha going through a struggle or when you're going through family issues or like relationship issues, sometimes you feel like you're carrying the burden by yourself or that your experience is unique to you alone. The reality is it's probably more common than we all think. So when we're able to see that on screen, and watch something, my hope is that by watching something, it heals something inside of you. And one of the things is that you don't feel so alone. And that's probably something that I wish that I had, or I did have when I watched certain films. Um, yeah, so I can slip into somebody else's experience and say, oh, okay, I can go through this too. I can, I can walk this too. So that I think in that regard, um, yes. And I love seeing fellow Asian Americans work, you know, because we see Chinese actors come in as well, but to see specifically uniquely Asian American in, you know, just any show, like The Good Place, you just see it now. And it's, 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 it's good. That's beautiful. Yeah, I really like what you said about 
movies offering that. I make so many references to movies when I'm trying to make a point. It's like movies and hip hop music, you know, like I'll quote rappers or I'll like talk about a movie as a metaphor for life. You know, I just wrote an article. That's what movies are. Uh (laughs) A good movie, a moving movie. Yeah. Like the matrix. Um, Oh, so good. And I and I kind of have like Fight Club on repeat right now. That's kind of like all that I'm watching. <laughs> Fight Club, You're so yeah. funny. What do you? What is your biggest message takeaway out of Fight Club? There, there's so many dope quotes. So I'll just rattle off a few. The things you own end up owning you. Mm. True. On a long enough horizon, the life expectancy for everything turns to zero. <laughs> and I'll stop there. What does that mean to you? I mean, it all, it all ends. It all ends. And uh, this is your life and it's ending one second at a time. That was also in the movie. So what and, are you going to do with it? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What are you going to do? Um, are you doing? Yeah. What are you going to do? Because part of the concept of Cook on Monday Morning, one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this was to push back on this perception that you have to hate Monday morning, you know? Mm. It's sort of this like societal expectation, like, oh, it's Monday. Oh, it's the weekend. I'm like, it's a like the days are gonna come. Why not <laughs> why not own Monday? You know, like what would that mean to create a life that made you excited about Monday morning? And and so the people that I have on the podcast that I that I, I just like people that I, I want to learn from and enjoy talking to, but that's that's the idea is that we can continue to push out that type of energy and message to whoever gets the opportunity to catch it so yeah no i i love what you said about monday mornings because it's really funny there was of all people it was a random thing and it popped up out of nowhere but it was kim kardashian of all people who says you don't have to wait for new year's a new year like because it was talking about how people get so hyped up about like it's a new year it's a new me but like tomorrow is a new day and i'm like Absolutely. And then that goes into like mindset perspective, what you want, knowing what you want. Um, And when you know what you want, like it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It doesn't matter how many hours you work because you're doing something in alignment with what you want. Because we all don't want to lay on the couch all day. You know what I mean? If you got that, you, you, you wouldn't want that. I wouldn't imagine. Yes. It's, it's a rough, it's a rough thing to see right now with people, uh, doing that like they lost their job they can't go outside it's like a lot of people depressed and stressed and i've gone through my moments during the quarantine like staring at the wall you know i live alone and so it's like um but creating that schedule going back to those practices that make you feel good like the meditation the working out the creating stuff the connecting with people creating connection building building community all those things are uh they work you know, they work. You're not alone. You are enough, right? And um, in a fight club, when they say this is your life and it's ending one second at a time, like people are, I mean, you were at Deloitte, right? And there are people really, uh, I don't know, they, they, they want to land a job. They're looking for like intermittent salary increases and they get the job and they don't like it. And, you know, and so... I don't know. I feel fortunate to be in a position to uh, be doing whatever. something you're aligned with. Right. Right. And, and to 
be willing to push to create that. So rapid fire questions. Wait, and I'll, I'll, I'll say something else. Okay, my bad. And this isn't to, no, 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 it's not you. And this isn't to discredit people who are working at Deloitte, right? Because I think that some people are really aligned in what they're doing there, right? Like, because it does have its level of creativity as well. And everyone's life isn't necessarily driven by the same thing. We're all individual humans. And some people, it's like being a provider and caretaking and family is what is the most for them. So as I grow up, it's just learning to honor and see and respect and love like everyone's individual journey and what they want, you know, and celebrate that. Like whether it's, they say, oh God, I don't remember the quote, but it's like the janitor could have the best job in the world. If when the janitor is doing it, he's aligning with God, with what he wants to do, you know? I agree. Because um, I caught you, I left you at the janitor, but... That's all. That's all it's about. It's only about having a life you, where you're excited about Monday morning. Like if that if, if that's at Deloitte, then like do it. You know, I'm not saying like do what I do to be happy, but, but uh, people that dread what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. What I wish for them is that they didn't have to live like that. And mm-hmm. uh, and so the, I heard the first time I heard about someone being excited about Monday morning was a was a, a bank executive. He like worked in the office. He's like, I love Monday. It's my favorite day of the week. And I was like, you're fucking joking. <laughs> I was like, you can't be serious. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, all weekend I get excited. I can't wait till Monday comes. Like, I was like, That's funny. I, I was an intern in college. And, I, and then he, that stuck with me. Him saying that stuck with me. And it's sort of was the impetus for this. I like that. I think it's, it's, it's a great reminder for everybody. Because we all go through those valleys of like, uh, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You ready? Rapid fire? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you look very ready. <laughs> very competitive. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do you have a book recommendation? Um, I'm just re-listening to The Alchemist. I read it all the time. Siddhartha, I can go on and on. Do you have a motto? Motto, you are enough. What personal weakness can you forgive in someone? Anger. Mm. Do you meditate? Yes. Final question. Who's going to win the presidential election? <laughs> we don't even have to say because we already know. Miss Diana Lou, it was great to have you on the podcast. I appreciate you. Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Cook on Monday Morning. At Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you can own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you can own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. It was dope to go down memory lane with Diana uh, when we were both in high school. I don't think either one of us would necessarily have known that we go on to do the work that we're now doing. And she's such a beautiful spirit. Um, I really want to see her succeed. Please support her work. And please continue to support this podcast. I appreciate your support. Uh, If you enjoy these discussions, share it with a friend. It helps us grow this online community of doers. Uh, We are trying to create lives that make us excited about Monday morning. Cook on Monday morning is a product of the Luther Harris Holding Company. Uh, It is a boutique consulting practice that focuses on building strategic partnerships between businesses and government, uh, recruiting diversity talent to leadership roles, and 
helping uh, leaders drive impact within their organizations. If you want to learn more, send me an email. My email is info at We also have merchandise on the way. It's a great way to support what we're doing here to support our message of peace, productivity, love, and of course, making the decision to own Monday morning. So we're creating intention to improve our lives and improve our communities. One way to support that is to be one of the first to purchase our merchandise. I'm already getting a lot of questions about it. I think people are really excited about it. If you don't subscribe to my newsletter at steveoncook.com, please do. And you'll be the first to see that. We're only doing a limited amount of pieces, so it's going to sell out. Be sure you get one. Subscribe to my newsletter. Um, I'd like to thank the people who made my podcast possible. Uh, our videographer, David Topete, and the good man that edits all of our newsletters, Fernando and Sico Marquez. Again, a special thank you to our listeners. I deeply, I appreciate you. And I get up every Monday morning with the intention to create value and showcase love to the people that keep our cities moving. You know who you are. You are our teachers, school lunch workers, custodians, social workers, firefighters, police officers, EMT workers, uh, garbage collectors, bus drivers like my father and nurses. You are our employers. You're the folks creating jobs and keeping our economy moving. And you are our gig workers, stocking our shelves, uh, driving our ride shares, delivering our food. Uh, to all of you, this podcast is for you. And you live in places like San Francisco, Oakland, Richmond, Antioch, San Mateo, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Miami, Orlando, the Carolinas, Virginia Beach, Milwaukee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Detroit, Harlem, Brooklyn, Queens. What's up? I'm at you. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast is for you. And it's also for our folks across the diaspora that live overseas that you are in places like Nigeria, Ghana, Jamaica, Kenya, and Ethiopia. This podcast is for you. Uh, this message that we are getting out to the world is touching the world. And that is because you're subscribing and sharing it and spreading a good word. And I appreciate you until we meet again. Peace, peace. And we out.